0: Welcome to Fill Your Impact, a podcast built to go behind the scenes of the responsible apparel movement. I'm Ryan Moore, joined by my co-host Mel Lay. Our goal and why of this series is to both educate and further a conversation about how we as makers and consumers can have a greater impact on the people on the planet behind the scenes of apparel. Most of us have the choice of what we sell, make, buy, and wear every day. Our hope is through learning and improvement, we can make better choices for a better tomorrow. Are you ready to Feel Your Impact?
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Feel Your Impact podcast. I'm Mel Le, here with my co-host, Ryan Moore. Today we are chatting with Marcus Harvey, the founder and owner of Portland Gear. Thanks for being with us, Marcus.
2: Yeah, stoked to be here. Good to see you again.
1: Yeah, good to see you. And if you guys uh, live in Portland, Oregon, you most likely have a sticker hat or T-shirt with the iconic Portland Gear P on it. The brand behind that P has been dubbed Portland's go-to uniform to represent the iconic city that keeps it weird. Uh, so we are super stoked to hear a little bit more about Portland Gear and how Marcus is making an impact uh, within the Portland community with this awesome brand.
0: Yeah, my kid' favorite hat is the P hat. He's got, have, he has like a, a one for every day of the week. So Marcus, I'm interested to just know like how you got into apparel, specifically t-shirts and hats and, and involving the Portland brand. You're just
2: serving that one
0: up because you know it involves you. Um, back, yeah, back when I was in high school,
2: I, uh, my senior project was to run the student store. And part of that project was to make a t-shirt for the kind of the student body. So I made this shirt. It was Keller's crew. He was our men's basketball coach. I knew nothing about screen printing at the time other than I had this phone number to call on, call them and tell them you want some t-shirts. So I remember calling them and they said, great, um, you know, what, what blank t-shirt do you want to use? And I didn't know anything about that. And they said, what Pantone? And I didn't know. And what kind of ink do you want to use? And I didn't know anything. So uh, I didn't even know what an AI file was and there was, this is 2008, so there was one computer in the whole school that had Illustrator. And so I just had to learn and, you know, we ended up selling out hundreds of these shirts, which was really cool but it was kind of just part of my senior project. I also was selling candy and chips and a bunch of things that probably shouldn't have been selling for high school kids' lunches. Um, But I had the most successful year ever for the student store and it was fun and we played good music. And it was kind of my first soiree into retail. I mean, a lot of the things that I do now, depositing money and opening up and playing music and having employees and counting inventory and calling in orders, it's a lot of the stuff that I still do as an entrepreneur. So uh, I went off to college at the University of Oregon Wanted to do business, work at Nike, do footwear. Um, I was home one weekend, and I couldn't find any clothes that I wanted. And my mom said, well, why don't you just make your own stuff? And I said, well, I'm not an artist. I've never been an artist, and I don't make clothes. And she says, well, what about that one time in high school where you made it for the student store? And I was like, oh, yeah. So I went back to college and had a a graphic design buddy help me, and I came up with a name called Updrift Apparel. Terrible name. It was a skate surf brand, but I never skated or surfed before but this is 2008 and that's the coolest thing. So started this Updrift brand in my college dorms and started selling them to anyone that would buy a $25 screen printed t-shirt and just started hustling. And then that summer when I came home to my parents' house, I ended up buying my own little four color screen printing set from a familiar face here on screenprinting.com and um, tried to learn the game and just remember being in my parents' garage and I took my mom's scrapbook table and drilled the press into it so that it wouldn't shake and um, I'd go to Kinko's every day and print out the black laminate and uh, the black vinyls and then I'd go up log these screens upstairs and I'd turn the lights off in my parents bathroom and swipe the pink emulsion and I'd just then drip the pink emulsion down the white stairs as I was (laughs) going outside to spray it out and I had like the Terrible little light booth that never burned a good screen, (laughs) put like rocks on it to keep the transfers down. It was just terrible. So I learned pretty quickly that my strength wasn't in screen printing, but my strength was more in branding and community and stuff. So so fast forward after college, uh, ended up switching my degree to digital arts, learned illustrator, came back to Portland, uh, started flipping screen printing for other brands and other companies. Um, In 2012, Instagram's getting big. I secured at Portland on Instagram which kind of turned out to be pretty life changing. Um, started posting pictures of the city, events that were going on. That page grew to about 60,000 followers in 2014 and then I had this desire and passion to want to own my own t-shirt brand ever since Updrift and working on all these other brands. I'd always wanted something that people actually wanted to wear that I wasn't having to convince them to wear it. And um, also just had this lack of, you know, coming back to Portland, my hometown and not having a brand to wear to represent my city like I couldn't find something I love the blazers and the timbers but I didn't always just want to wear a red jersey to represent my city and so came out with the P logo which has the state of Oregon on the inside of it posted a picture on that Portland page on Black Friday 2014 and then the first day it did five thousand dollars in sales Oregon screen impressions here in North Portland it's been printing all my stuff since that first day and called them and I said hey I did five thousand dollars in sales but I only have 20 t-shirts because that's all I ordered I need more and so then they helped me print more and then they helped me ship them and um, just from that day, I kind of learned kind of to go back to when I learned that I didn't want to do screen printing. I learned my my time as a young, small entrepreneur of a small business was best spent on community building and brand and events and stuff. So I've, I've always had a great partnership with my screen printer here in Portland and just allowed them to do what they're good at, which is printing shirts in whichever way I need, water-based or plastic solar or on all-made shirts or whatever. And, um, and then I go out and get a run around town and, and try to sell them. So That was in 2014, and now we're here in 2020 amid a pandemic. But we have two, we have three retail stores and about nine employees and do lots more sales than we did in that first day. And, um, yeah, it's been a really, really fun ride over the last few years, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like after knowing that you secured at Portland, I feel like for anyone listening, if, you know, your city doesn't have an Instagram account that is spoken for, I mean, it was a really brilliant way to build, this community and following um and then i mean to and you don't use it to your advantage i i really do want to say like that that instagram account is now you know it's officially portland's you know city's account Mm -hmm. you have your own portland gear um Mm -hmm. that represents your brand but um i mean just it was a brilliant way so how do you how did you get the entire city to back portland gear though like you're not the only portland brand there has been other things that have popped up but how do you think over the last few years you got the city to to really like really embrace. I mean, like everywhere you go, uh-huh. there is hats and logo tees. Like I have celebrity friends on Instagram that I follow, and they're like ariel and Matt Ketchell. I was like, gonna say wearing, Matt and ariel I had a feeling. Uh, <laughs> they're my favorite people yeah. in the whole world. Go follow them too. But yeah. they are always rocking the Portland mm-hmm. gear stuff. I mean, and you know they're famous, and so yeah. How did you get everyone to back it?
2: I would say it comes out of a few things. One. The, the entire story of how it even unfolded was authentic. So local kid, wanted to work at Nike, went to University of Oregon, wants to be in business, changes to digital arts, becomes a designer, comes back to his hometown, designs this P logo that's cool, that has symbolism from the Nike swoosh and the Oregon O, and it's one color, and all these reasonings behind why it looks like that. Two, right place at the right time. I, I watch a lot of the How I Built This with Guy Raz, and, and his last question is always, how much is luck and how much was hard work? And I was thinking that last last night on my bike ride, and I was like, I wanna answer that question, so I'm gonna answer it for you guys. Um, <laughs> I think luck is something out of your control. So for me, I was lucky to be from Portland. I was lu- like, I can't control that. I was lucky that I came back to Portland in 2012 when it was starting to get really cool. That's luck, I had nothing to do with that. Um, me getting the portland page i was an idea that i had so that wasn't luck it was luck maybe that i could get it but it was an idea that i had the p logo having the state of oregon and being one color and simple like was it lucky that it turned out to be that successful yes but was that from years of making really shitty logos yes <laughs> you know so it's like it's like i think the luck is the things that are out of your control and then the hard work is the things that you actually put into so it's like why we became successful, I guess, is it was like the right city at the right time with actually a good logo that I'm really proud of, that I like even more every day that I look at it, that I've never changed in five years, but it means more to me. Um, so a good logo, the right city at the right time, printing good product, not selling just cheap Gildan t-shirts for $25 and trying to get people to do it, like trying to tell a story through our product. Um, and then I think also just how we talk and service customers and treat them as humans, whether that be famous NBA players or... Matt and Ariel or customer ABC that comes into the store. Like we're just young and we'd like to think we're fun and engaging and we provide a different experience than you get at any other retail store and you see us at events over and over again. So you see that we hustle and you see that we're, we're rooted ourselves in Portland. So that's part of it too. Like, yes, I have this big Instagram page that now has 350,000 followers, which has a big reach all over the world. But when it started, like we were in our, our old 1973 decked out Volkswagen bus at Saturday markets, first Thursdays, last Thursdays, for years. We still do that. So we've never gotten above being part of our community. And I think that's what people appreciate is, like, they see us over and over again at the events that make Portland Portland. We're not just, like, trying to be like, oh, here's a T-shirt, how you can wear your Portland pride. It's like, no, hopefully you got that T-shirt at an event when you were experiencing Portland. Like, so we try to just be part of the story of Portland as opposed to, like, telling the story, I guess.
0: You know what you were saying there about luck? Have you ever heard of the term ROL? No. It's return on luck. So we all experience good luck events. This is from Jim Collins, uh, great by choice. So we all experience good luck events and we all experience bad luck events in our lives. All businesses do, all people do. And really it's your positioning and your ability to hustle and your ability to take advantage of a good luck or defend a bad luck event that really sets apart people that make it and go become the Portland gears or people that just stop selling shirts and never go anywhere. So, you know, like you were saying, some of it's luck, but it's really your hustle and and everything that you position during those luck events to take advantage of them and actually use them to go to the next level. So that's cool. Yeah. Like has the pandemic been scary, especially when it happened?
2: Of course. Did I freak out that we were going to fail? No. But every day that I wake up and just have to play with the cards that we were dealt? Yes. And so it's like, okay the store's not open so instead of just being like oh the store's not open we got to wait till the new phase opens up it's like what can we do like what can we control that what let's do a t-shirt that's the money goes to small businesses because that's what's needed this week and then it turns into healthcare workers let's do that and then it turns into this story and this story and it's just like we always constantly are just like playing with the cards that we have and every so often you get an extra card you you know your turn on luck gets a little bit better you have more cards to play but at sometimes it's like you've got two cards and you, that's all you have. You can't get more. And so I think me and my team have always just been like, we can only control what we can control. We only grow when we know we need to or we can afford to. We never add someone just because. We never just do a store just to do it. Like we're always, everything we do is very calculated. And so I feel like I'm like giving myself a better return on luck because I'm aware of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in, in that study, they actually found that the businesses that failed actually had more good luck events, but they didn't take advantage of them than the businesses that succeed. All the, the only difference was that people like actually did something about it, whether it was bad or good and, and t- turned it into something better. Like you just said about the pandemic. So it's been awesome to see what you're continuing to do.
1: Marcus, let's talk a little bit about environmental impact. So you and Ryan went on a live stream um, to talk about sustainable clothing. Um, I totally watched it. Um, so, why is that important to you, and how are you making steps t- uh, towards that? And what do you wish customers knew more about um, sustainable apparel?
2: Yeah. So, some, I think something that really changed for me a few years ago was this girl that came through Brand Camp. Her name's Sharona. She's a sweetheart girl that came through, um, and basically just started questioning things more. And she was this young girl came through Brand Camp, which was our summer internship program, and just asked if she could stay around, and then started to impart her ways on recycling and water bottles and the environment and earth and then that gets Eli talking more and then that gets all of us talking more. And then suddenly you have these kind of moments where I'll be the first to admit where like, yeah, being in Oregon my whole life, like you recycle, but you just kind of do it. It's just like your parents did it, you do it. You don't really pay attention, like, oh I'm gonna get a water bottle from the store, right? And then you kind of have these like awakening moments or some experience that you have where maybe you go to some part of the world and you see water bottles or you see like it's experience to say you care about something if you've never had anything with it like and that's not to switch it. it's kind of like with covid right now like people that don't know someone that has it it just seems like this foreign thing like I, it's not going to affect me i don't need to wear an all mask i don't need to go out to these places but as soon as your friend or a sibling or a neighbor has it it becomes very real and then your mindset changes so it's kind of the same thing with environmental stuff was a few years ago it's like i didn't i didn't not know what i was doing it just took a few people and some conversations to realize like, wow, getting every t-shirt individually poly, poly bagged is really nice. It's really easy for shipping. It's really great because hands don't touch it and it's new and there's a huge perceived value that comes when someone gets this poly mailed, like well, one, a shirt in a poly, in a poly mailer and then, then inside of another poly mailer when it's shipped to them. <laughs> and so then you just start to have these conversations and you're like, does every shirt need to have a plastic bag? Because we were, our retail store, like we would literally, OSI, would poly mail these because that's how we would request them and they would come and then in order to put them into the retail store we'd rip them out of the poly mailers and hang them up and we would have a plastic bag of plastic bags and it was just normal because that's just what we were doing and then you have these conversations you're like that's not right why are we doing that and then we have these bags of plastic bags that we're trying to run around town and and recycle but no one will recycle plastic bag bags of plastic bags and so (laughs) it's just like we're like, okay, well, what else are we doing? Are we recycling enough in the office? Are we using renewable tapes? Are we using the right blank t-shirts? Are we using the right inks? Are we doing these right things? And then the conversation as a team just kind of goes and then that conversation rolls out into the community. And then we kind of realize that being small and nimble, like we can do things that a lot of the bigger businesses can't do. And so that is a comparative advantage that we have is like we can cut poly mailers in literally one phone call calling OSI and saying like, hey, we don't want our stuff to be individually poly and then we just cut out tens of thousands of plastic bags and so that wasn't hard do the shirts now come folded and they kind of get messed up and slide around more yeah but is that worth offsetting the plastic that we were putting into the environment for sure so it's just kind of been a lot of little things that we've tried to improve
0: on i guess that's interesting you talk about the the plastic waste because Mel and i were just sharing back and forth some infographics about waste plastic waste generation And the number one sector for that is plastic. I mean, excuse me, the number one sector for waste generation of plastic is packaging. Um, And then the number two is textiles. So Mm -hmm. what we do when we print and then wear and then ship a shirt and then dispose of that shirt after its life, Mm -hmm. uh, if it's a shitty shirt, it's going to go a lot faster.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, You're
0: going to have to print it, ship it again because it doesn't last or you don't want it to last is the the two biggest factors of plastic consumption and waste. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I also love what you said. So just for our listeners, um, we've been talking a lot about this on our podcast that um, to, to move in a direction of, you know, making your brand or your company more sustainable or just, you know, more eco-friendly and greener, however you want to, whatever you want to call that for your brand, there's, there's all these options you can choose um, and you can, go for it all if you want but after a few months you're probably going to get burnt out it's going to be hard for you to do everything you know so I love what you're saying about just starting with really simple things like we can just call and say hey no more poly bags and we can you know put a recycling bin here you know there's just simple choices every company can make that put you on a right path and then once you got that down solid you move on to something else and you move on to something else and before you know it you know, your company is moving into a more sustainable, um, you know, model. And I I think that's really cool. Because I I, I think people get worried about like having to having to, you know, do it all at once. And um, I do feel like, though,
2: I, I feel that pressure. And then I sometimes feel like we're still not doing enough. And then it always comes down to what costs more, what's cheaper versus what's for the environment, and then you're in that dilemma for a while, which is good friction to be in to start to understand, you know, what's more important, and then you're, you know, but yeah, it's like, we can recycle all the plastic bottles, but then it's like, why are we even buying plastic bottles? We shouldn't have a need for recycling if we're not buying these things, so then let's keep using the reusables, so now every employee has reusables, and now we all make each other feel bad if they don't have the reusable utensils for lunch, and if we're not using so then it's like it just kind of keeps going but yes correct it starts with just like let's separate our trash and then it goes to like like we with Sharona and she's been upon our team now for the last few years and she's great and we I mean six months seven oh no probably a year ago now we walked around the office and the warehouse and we said what's everything we're doing that we could do better and we all as a team individually had our pen and paper and we were just like wrote down a ton of these things and then we all compared them and we compiled them and we said here's three or four things we could do right away and some of those things were Get rid of the individual poly mailers um get like a rubber tape instead of like a plastic tape for boxes um sourcing recycled boxes instead of virgin boxes um being more cognizant of like yeah how we're packaging things inside of the packages um trying to promote reusing of our retail bags as opposed to everyone just getting a new bag every time or just at least asking people like do you need a bag like yeah they're really pretty we make really pretty bags it's like the you just want to carry it out, you know, and then Oregon put in the bag tax about six months ago, so now you have to charge for a retail bag, so that's good because it just makes the person think for a second, do I need it, so yeah, it's like five cents or 20 cents or something, most people don't care about the dollar amount, but it at least gets them thinking like, oh, maybe, yeah, okay, I don't need the bag, whereas if it's just like free, do you want the bag or not, like, yeah, of course, give me the bag, I don't want to carry this, but then when there's just a little bit of a dollar amount, which is just a tax, then it makes you think, like, okay, I don't want that. So you start putting taxes or just a little bit of an inconvenience on the things that aren't good. People just need to second guess it a few times and then they can start a create change. Yeah. That's I guess awesome. that
1: tourists like to pay the extra for your bags though, Probably. because Portland Gear has these iconic blue bags with the P on it and mm-hmm. they want to walk around downtown Portland
2: with. So their- we found a new manufacturer for the bags. So now the bags are made out of um, recycled paper. And instead of having um, like the rope cord being, having some poly in it and then with plastic tips on it, now they're made fully out of cotton and they're tied. So there's no plastic on the cord. Awesome. And then it's made out of recycled. Yeah, we just read it all the bags, are beautiful. Um, but yeah, we went in and used like environmentally steward conscious paper for them that's recycled and we put big emblems across the bag that shows kind of what we're trying to do. So yeah, we just kind of look at, you know, we're still a small brand. Um, but we just try to be like, what, what are the things that we're having the most quantity of? And then how do we go after those? So like our poly mailers that we ship our orders in, like are now, I mean, it was a large order when we placed it, so we're still going through it, but it was at least 50% recycled plastic and then 50. And now for this next order, we're for sure gonna do 100, but we're still getting through those 50. So then it's just a word of thought for people. So you're, there becomes a moment where you're like, okay, I've got 2000 of these 50 50s left. I would like to just be done with them and get 100% recyclable. But then what you're doing is just throwing those away. Yeah. So you're yeah. in this dilemma where you're like, should I just get rid of them and use better ones? But no, the actual thing is if something has already been created, it's best to use it and then just not reorder it. And so then we're like, okay, let's just get through these and then we can be better. So I think as a business owner, you need to give yourself a little bit of grace to be like, we'll get there. Like, let's just, at least we're having these conversations and we're thinking about it and our next run can be better. But you don't have to like go in and disrupt your business right now and, redo everything throw away everything that's plastic and rebuy environmentally conscious stuff like be aware of that get through that stuff and then reorder better stuff
0: yeah so let's let's talk about social let's talk about social issues a little bit because you know a lot has been going on the last month and a half or so two months and portland gear has as a brand you've taken some pretty cool stances or some interesting stances how do you decide what stance to do and what does that mean to you personally? And then how do you reflect that on what's happening in the city and with your brand?
2: Yeah, I mean, we had an hour conversation this morning about what, what is the post on the Portland page this morning? I put one up two nights ago that was like, we need, we're asking the federal government to leave. And it just got lit up with comments and in 30 minutes I had to delete it. And I just realized I was a little too ignorant in the post. I need to think this through more. So I kind of reassessed, we wrote a thing this morning where we said, This is a very conflicting time in the world, which it should be. Again, this friction is good and it's needed, but we can't necessarily take a side. So we just need to state the facts. So this morning on the Portland page, we just stated the facts. The world is looking at Portland right now as the epicenter of injustice and violence. And people are looking at my Instagram page to see, am I just going to post pictures of pretty peaches or am I going to actually show what's going on in Portland? And so with the whole BLM movement stuff over the last three months, we have, I personally have had a lot of hard conversations with friends and community members and customers and stuff and have had this acknowledgement that where my stand the last five years has always been to be neutral on issues because I don't want to offend anyone that doesn't mean I'm pro this or anti this I just stay in the middle and post cool t-shirts and cool pictures of Portland I have learned that that has hurt people by that silence and that I should be using that platform to make a stance and to not be scared if it's a stance that I believe in I should make the stance and not be scared of the people who don't agree with it. So it's been, yeah, we've added some really awesome voices to our team that have kind of helped us navigate through that. And, yeah, the whole, you know, maybe not the BLM stuff we would have stayed silent on because that is just such a profound issue that we should have. But we've definitely been more vocal in our stance of that Black Lives Matter and that Portland needs to be a city that empowers people of color and in the workplace and that everyone should be treated equally. And we come out and make these statements. And I'm not scared to, like, be vulnerable sometimes and admit – What I don't know too. And I think that's kind of a key to why our stuff works is when I can come out and say these things. Like, I'm not scared to be like, I don't know everything. I am a white privileged Portlander that has not felt these injustices, but I'm trying. And like, let me, like, be with me as I go through this. And people appreciate that because I think that's what they need. So that's with every issue. Like, two years ago, I probably didn't recycle as much as I needed to, but I'm doing better now so you can't judge me on what I did two years ago. Please judge me on how I'm doing it now and what I do into the future. And so for all these types of issues, we have long, hard friction conversations as a team with myself. And we say, what's the right thing to do first? what hurts people's feelings? What, what as humans should we do? And then we do that. And we realize that we have these big pages. I have the biggest Instagram in Portland, if not Oregon, with eyes from all over the world. And I try not to take that lightly sometimes, but with that comes a weight to kind of say the right thing that represents all of Portland on the Portland page. On Portland gear, I can have a little bit more of a stance, but it's also the brand of Portland. So if I say X here, then you have all the Ys over here that are like, whoa, 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 that is not how I've perceived Portland gear. So we walk this line, but there's there's times where I feel confident in saying something because it is abs- absolutely, inequity, like the right thing to say. Um, so yeah, there's your long version of
1: that yeah i think um you know we're right in the middle of you know portland has still had riots for 60 days Mm -hmm. you know going strong um you want to give us just a little insight you have two downtown portland storefronts how has that affected um business and and your storefronts
2: yeah so we are fine we've been fine fortunately um predominantly the protests the peaceful protests are amazing beautiful we have participated as a team um they're great they start at six o'clock and it's sunny and there's thousands of people coming and marching and coming together as a community come over the bridge and you come into the city um and then later in the evening it changes and it's whether it's different groups of people or it's tension or whatever it might be um that is generally focused on kind of a four block area downtown and by the justice center which is a little more centrally located we're up 15 blocks away from there um in the early weeks of the protest there was much more vandalism just within portland just kind of random lootings and stuff that seems to be much more centralized out of these three blocks so uh yeah fortunately our stores have been fine uh, employees have been fine but i have been very supportive and proud of my team members who are going down to these protests and who are using their voice and who are asking us to make blm stickers and shirts and wanting signs and i'm just trying to support my employees and and be there with them and help them and go do trash cleanups the mornings after because that's my part to do you know and um yeah so our stores have been fine the brand has been good our employees have been good and it's just a time where I think that stuff doesn't matter as much right now you know like there was a day that I canceled meetings in the morning and told everyone to be off because I knew half my team was out till 2am protesting and I was like that's more important right now you know like go do that and I support you in doing that and I think they appreciate that too and so yeah, Portland's just the world, but Portland, too, right now is just kind of the epicenter of this. And so just being very delicate and just trying to learn, too, because that's the biggest thing. Same thing with the environmental stuff and this and everything that's going on, just trying to be a student of the injustices happening all over the world, the climate injustices, the racial injustices, the religious, the sexual injustices, all of that stuff.
0: Uh, just trying to learn. Yeah, I appreciate the transparency and the and the openness to saying that, like, you don't know everything, you're just trying to navigate through it. And then also sharing what you're learning through that. Uh, because, you know, you, get, you got a good heart. And you know, we are, I, I feel the same way as you do, like just privileged and, you know, white and not knowing exactly what to say, but not wanting to be silent at the same time. So you've been really encouraged, uh, an encouragement to me personally, just to see what you're doing and what your brand's doing and how we can do that in our industry uh with our brands a little bit better as well. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Cool. Well what advice would you give our listeners um that have a lot of print shops do city branded gear mm-hmm. in their own cities all over the United States. Uh do you have any advice you'd give um any of them about branded merch shops, um how they can grow?
2: Yeah, I mean just tell a story. You know, a t-shirt is just a mechanism in which to do that. And I think that's why we've all gravitated towards t-shirts is my whole life, I've just, I've worn what I believe in. I've worn the Oregon O because that's where my parents went, that's where my sister went, that's where I went. That logo to me, the Oregon O is like a binding agent that means something to me and my family. The Nike swoosh was where I wanted to work as a kid. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. I wanted to walk around that campus and I wore the Nike swoosh because it had meaning to me. So for me making Portland gear shirts and the P logos and the Portland shirt, like if it has meaning to me, then I can do my job to go out there and sell that meaning to others but it has to resonate with whoever's designing it or creating it. If you're just slapping Portland on a shirt because you think it's going to sell and you go down somewhere and you try to sell it pretty soon, they're going to be two for 20 and you're discounting them. And, and I just have never wanted to be that brand. Like we had to talk this morning. One of our t-shirts is now $40 and half my team was like $40. That's crazy for a t-shirt. And I kind of agree. And then my other half is like, but it's a great story. It's this beautiful six color print of roses through a pea on the front. And it's got six color print on the back and it's, a great shirt and it tells a story and it's like yeah okay let's try it 40 bucks if someone wants it they buy it if they don't they don't but we're not going to sell it for 20 because we think that's all we can get for it Mm. but we tell the story through the imaging through the messaging through the captions through the who's wearing it who's not wearing it how it's merchandised in the store so it's like we we take a graphic on a t-shirt and then extrapolate that into all those other things i think that's what we do well and i think that's what's hard to do And we have the platform for it, but to start, we didn't have a platform for it. We had to grow that, you know? So if someone's wanting to start a city pride brand or a neighborhood pride brand or a street pride brand or a family pride, whatever that might be, like, you have to tell the story and use the product as the mechanism in which to do it. Um, If you're like, I don't want to do t-shirts, I want to do stickers. Great. You still got to do the same thing. What's the story? Why are you making it? Who does it impact? Why does someone need that one versus the other one that says Portland versus the other one that says Portland? Um, and so there's more layers to those meetings, I think. So do it, go out there and do it, make it, but make it unique, make it different, make it different than what everyone else is doing.
1: Um, I also like what you said earlier about being a part of your community. If you're doing a city brand, um, to be a part of the markets and the events going on and just be present and, um, and, and I think enjoy being a part of your city because um, that's the authenticity that your customers will see. So I love that, yeah. that you said that earlier.
2: For sure, yeah. Yeah, I think you have to, because people will read through it if you're not. Like, I get my most common thing is, like, you're not even from Portland. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even live in Portland. you probably live in, in Washington.
1: <laughs> Ooh. And I'm like, okay, that's
2: fine. Born at St. Vincent, five minutes from my store, Portland, Oregon. Live in Hillsborough my whole life. Went to University of Oregon. Moved back downtown in 2012. Story's been the same my whole life. I'm not changing where, like, it's been the same story for 30 years. So if you want to believe it, you can. If you want to still think that I'm from Washington or California, you can. But like, this is where I'm from. This is my community. This is where I live. This is where I eat, read. This is who I hire from. This is where I put my stores. This is where I print. So if that's not enough for you, don't buy my stuff and that's okay. But if that yeah. is enough to you and you think it's cool, then support us and we appreciate that.
0: So speaking of how can people follow you guys as, as well as follow you personally?
2: Yeah. Instagram at Portland portlandgear, portlandgear.com, marcus at portlandgear.com is my email address. <laughs> probably Marcus. Portland Gear is my Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty consistent across the board, um, super accessible on all those platforms. But yeah, go to the website, check out what we do. Uh, Instagram is kind of the best portfolio look at how we do stuff and the models and the photo shoots and the product and the store and the storytelling. Um, that's probably our, our biggest, like, Piece right there would be that Instagram page so yeah
1: yeah guys go follow Marcus go follow what he's doing on at Portland get inspired uh their team is doing great things
2: appreciate it thank you guys for having me we love all Man too it's been a great partnership and friendship and we look to you guys for inspiration as well and hope that you guys can just continue to disrupt this mega mega industry here and, and make change <laughs> and, and feel your impact what a great statement you know just the more I think about them, I'm like, they landed on that one good. You know, you feel the impact because <laughs> you're wearing it, but you feel it because you're part of it and you know the impact is felt somewhere. I think it's, yeah, it's really great.
0: Thanks for listening to the Feel Your Impact podcast. And thanks again to Marcus for coming on and changing the world and the Portland community one t-shirt at a time. If you like this content, be sure to follow us and subscribe as well as leave us a review. We really appreciate that. Be sure to tune into the next episode where we're talking to the A-Circle who's doing an awesome campaign on sustainable t-shirts called Vote With Love, bringing awareness and empathy to voting. Thanks for listening and remember to feel your impact.